Hi, I'm Akira Yoshida, and this is how I talk. You're listening to The Run. This is the dawning of the Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse. On the Run. Hi, hello. How you doing? This is The Run, a comic book podcast about runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. With me, as always, Jonathan Kovacs. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic. It's been a bit, but like we've mentioned before, COVID in our work schedules, craziness, trying to do something here. I can't complain. And to my left, all the way across the U.S., Christopher Boyce. How are you? Oh, I'm most excellent. How about yourself? Uh... This, just try to remember what I just said like 30 seconds ago. Same okay, thing. I wasn't Same. sure if there was any changes. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a bit. You could have gotten the COVID. You could have gotten an email update saying that you have it. You know, I don't know how many times you've been tested. Uh, I've been tested never zero knew. times. Oh, so have I. Yeah. Once. I mean, once. Yeah. Well, you work retail, so you kind of have to. Yeah. I got the old cotton swab up the nose and it made me sneeze like a motherfucker. Does it hurt as bad as they say? No, that didn't really hurt. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, once you have like an STD test where they have to shove a cotton swab up your dick, like up the nose is no problem. So you've had an STD test? Is of course, you're responsible. Oh, okay. Well, wouldn't be, wouldn't being responsible mean you don't need to take an STD test? No, mm-hmm. I'm not shaming. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not shaming. So we are at the finale of this mini series. We agreed that. We're not going to do the 2012 series because it just goes off the rails. Well, that's what you said, Jonathan. It just doesn't seem to make sense to read. Uh, no, it's a waste of time. Yeah. So also, spoiler alert, this book was a waste of time as well, in my opinion, <laughs> right off the gate. It's been 10 years for Marvel since the Age of Apocalypse, and they wanted to do an anniversary book. So what better time to do it than 10 years? It was written by Akira Yoshida and drawn by Chris Boclo. Bacella, did we ever realize how to pronounce his name? If I did a little bit more research, I probably could have done that. We'll say Boclo, I guess. Akira Yoshida is an interesting person. A lot of people probably know who he is. You guys said you have no idea who this writer is? You never read any of his stuff? Is that the guy that faked his name? Maybe. Have you read anything by him, Chris? Not that I'm aware of. I've never heard of it before. He just came out of nowhere. This is back when manga started getting really popular. You had the Marvel Mangaverse, and you had uh, the, I believe the Tsunami line was about to take off for Marvel, which was Marvel characters with a manga look to them. You had like Venom, Human Torch. You had Humberto Ramos type of uh, artists, Scotty Young. uh, I think Raymond Herrera was one, where it was just a manga-influenced look on Marvel characters. Some books died right away. A couple stuck around for a bit and then immediately dropped that gimmick. I think Venom was one of them. After about eight issues or so, they're just like, all right, we're just going to turn this into a regular Venom generic Spider-Man book whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Venom was, it kind of started off, it was almost like a parody of like The Thing. Yeah. It, it was, it was, like it was a straight thing. up, yeah, it was a straight up ripoff of The Thing. And then it just became then- a mind of its own going also, to New York thing. They also had a Namor book, which I never read. I just remember the comic book cover looked a lot like Fathom. 
Yeah, and they had Human Torch. They had a they had a couple. Wolverine was one of them. But Sentinel, Sentinel was the only good one. Oh, from that. yeah, Sentinel, which was kind of like Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wasn't Udon or okay, never mind. Yeah, Udon did work with them as well. But around this time, Marvel was hyping up this new writer called named Akira Yoshida, and he did a bunch of books like uh, a Thor mini, and he did a lot of miniseries: Electra, Wolverine, Kitty Pride. Did a couple books for Dark Horse. Conan, I think, was one of them. And then all of a sudden, he disappeared forever uh he had a pretty good year due to the fact that he did that many books in that many months years later there's always this rumor that he was a certain someone but no one could ever confirm it until years later when marvel editor-in-chief cv sabluski himself was akira yashida so he essentially yellow f- yeah chris that's a face yeah the <laughs> eic uh, yeah I, I didn't know you didn't know that chris yeah i, I whenever you mentioned this last night about do you know who he is I thought that for, for a second, I thought it was a character in the book, and then I realized it was a writer. And then I couldn't remember who it was that basically uh, stole the writing purposes. But yeah, that was pretty shitty. Didn't he also do that for another name? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. No, it was just that, to my knowledge. He he did write under his own name for a bit back when he was an editor. He did uh, other type of Japanese influence. So I think one of them was X Men Fairy Tales, where. It was Japanese fairy tales under, like, an X-Men twist. But, yeah, he committed yellow face to writing for about a year or so. And uh, it was kind of just came and went when it was revealed. Some people were mad, some which I get because, you know, you're saying you're bringing in this Asian writer given his uh, Asian flair for things, uh, a take on that. And then you don't really do that. Some people argued that he did have the right to write those stories due to the fact that he lives in Japan and he was speaking the language and he knew the culture very well, but still, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's kind of shitty to me saying that you're a Japanese guy. He also did this to get around some weird mandate that Joe Casada put in place due to editors not being able to write and vice versa. Cause they would do favors or something like that. I don't know if you ever read a CB Sobolowski book, you can kind of tell that it is his writing in hindsight because he loves to throw Japan and Japanese characters into anything he writes for the most part, which is fine. But like I said, they could have gave the job to an actual Japanese writer because how many Japanese compo creators do you know of? I know Greg Pak, Jim Lee, and Marjorie Liu. That's it. And I don't even know if they're actually Japanese. I just know that they're Asian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My mistake. I'm sorry. Yeah. Asian. <laughs> Uh, Asian creators, those are the only ones that come to my mind real quick. I'm sure there's more, if I would think. I guess some of the guys in the Udon Studios, but... Well, it depends on what you read, I guess, because, I mean, if you're just thinking Marvel books, yeah. But, I mean, I've read uh, Akira. Uh, I like Ghost in the Shell. Well, not manga. I'm, I'm talking about U.S. Well, 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 well. But, but that, technically, that doesn't matter. It's like if a writer is a writer. It's just well, no, I'm saying in the, in, in the comic book industry, not the manga industry, like there's a very small first pool. Off, first off, Akira is not manga. Akira is actually a good book. Manga is crap. I'm sorry. It's goddamn art. <laughs> there's nothing manga wrong. Manga is crap. Manga is crap. Wow. Uh, I'll have to get you to read JoJo as well. No, manga's fine. It's, it's whatever. It's just a different format. That's all. What I'm saying is there are little to no Asian creators compared to everyone else in the actual U.S. comics industry whatsoever. Like I said, I named those three guys. Least, and Jim Lee has been around for... At least for, not in the main... 
Go ahead. I was going to say, at least not in the main the mainstream of Marvel and DC. I'll the, agree with you probably. Yeah, that. that's, I mean, that's my complaint. I, I'd have to look and see what's in the previews, and you'd have to look and see. But then again, who's to say that, although I guess with social media, because you could say that his Akira Yoshida's name is just a uh, pen name. Whether it's right or wrong, he did it to get around the fact that Casada had that role in place. But, so what's the difference between an author writing a book and using a pen name and... But he's claiming to be Japanese. That's the thing. Like, they, he was... This person was... I think Mike Martz was also, quote-unquote, met him. And they wanted to bring in a Japanese style, uh, Japanese creator to bring Japanese-style stories to Marvel. That's kind of like saying, put another race in there, African-American... Uh, for instance, and just say, I want to bring African-American culture, and you find out it's a fucking white dude. And just like, that doesn't fly. Come on. It's the difference between hiring someone that's Japanese or someone with a pen name that might be Japanese and someone that is claiming to be Japanese and bringing that type of culture in. You know what I'm saying? I agree. I mean, yeah, I'll agree with you, that. Could, you could easily, well, we're not getting into uh, semantics of, somebody could be, be like, if he was born and completely raised in, in Japan, you could say that even like even if he's an American on a military base or something, yeah. but he was completely born or, or, or in anything, but that's a different thing. But yeah, you're right. It, it's appropriation. Yeah, it's kind of effed up that he did it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's also effed up that, I don't know, I'd like to know how far up the, the ladder I went at Marvel that they did it, did or didn't know apparently they what found, he was doing. You know he, what I mean? He confessed to, t- to that apparently before he was EIC. Like right before he became that, and apparently that's in the past. He doesn't really go into detail about that in the interviews I read, but apparently appropriate action was taken, whatever the hell that means. What's the point of going back? Like, if you've revealed it now, I mean, yeah, he, again, it's appropriation of their cultures, but it's, he got paid for it, Marvel got paid for it, but I mean, yeah, some people got hurt, but there, there's no action you can take that it's not, it's wrong, but it's not like a, it's not like a really bad hate crime or anything like that. It's not. No, you know, like, no, but it is something that we should take into effect going forward with, I mean, anything he does and maybe hire more people of actual. I, I haven't kept up on too much recent Marvel as I used to, but maybe hire more people of uh, Asian descent, something to that effect to make up for that. I, I They very well could have a lot more, but like I said, I'm not really up on recent Marvel. Just hold, hold them more accountable for actions, I suppose, going forward, but. For all I know, it's this uh, it's it's one thing to have a pen name. That's fine, but if you're actually claiming to be part of that culture or descended from that culture, and then you know ended up just being a, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Uh, CB looks exactly like a weeb would look. Oh, um, he, he he's so. a self-admitted <laughs> weeb. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. I mean, if if it's if I mean, you know, if he lived there. You know, you still don't get a pass for that. If you were raised there, sure, but I don't know. It's yeah. it doesn't taste right. The 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 discourse on this is cold since it was revealed about three years ago. But still, it's it's funny that Chris, your reaction, at least on the video there, was just shock. At least, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I I can't even. I the only book I actually ever remember reading of his was. Uh, Ultimate Saga, which is right before Ultimates Three, which is just a big recap of what happened with the Ultimates, and yeah. it was like Tony Stark in his building, like lamenting over it or whatever. Yeah, and he... uh, I, I can't ever ever remember reading anything that he actually wrote. I just know him as the editor in chief. Yeah, 
it's just also this Yoshida thing. Just I read some of the other books and they were just fine, but even the wizard magazines and the internet sites at the time were touting this guy. It's just like, it's nothing special. Like, I don't know. The, the stories are fine, but they're making him to seem like he was like the next Bendis or something like that. And this proves that he's not the, not the next Bendis with new age of apocalypse. As we mentioned at the top of the show, the 10th anniversary book where we get to see what happened one year (laughs) after the end of age of apocalypse Omega. And boy, Oh boy, I I was, I was so damn confused starting this thing. Yep. Just considering the ending of Age of Apocalypse. I was like, how the fuck have we gotten to this point? And obviously we went over this entire series. It's just like, how is this still not that good? Not only that, but there was a supplementary one shot that came out right before this. I didn't have you guys read it. I'm sure Jonathan read it and I just glanced over it. It's a bunch of really small four to eight page stories of... Tales, yeah, of Tales of the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, one of them was the aftermath of Omega bridging the gap between that and this miniseries, which was essentially the nuke stopped, and it looks like Magneto uh, saved the world and dis- disassembled all the nukes right before impact. But then a couple pages, Magneto says, I can't live with this guilt for some reason because... I didn't do it, so I'm just going to feel guilty about this. And then Mr. Sinister comes out from behind the shadows, who was dead, but now he's not. Is, is Mr. Sinister ever actually dead, though? He looked pretty fucking dead in X-Man. That's, that's fair. He but, just collapsed and was bleeding. It, it's not that he was dead. Yeah, but he was bleeding pretty hard, I, he, I mean. He's like, oh, interesting. But it's comic books. No one ever stays dead. Yeah, Mr. Sinister's like, I know what you did last summer. That was it for that short story. And then it just bridges here one year later where the X-Men are a task force for the government helping clean up the world as well as getting the rest of Apocalypse's cronies that haven't been uh, caught yet. And they're hunting them down and murdering them. (laughs) I want to talk about this part real quick. Mm -hmm. So we end, uh, we read Age of Apocalypse. The entire Pacific Northwest is a nuclear wasteland. Like America is completely destroyed and blah, blah, blah. The entire culture has shifted to this apocalypse rules mentality uh-huh. and everything's looks completely different. And it starts off and they're like at the new white house and everything looks the same and people are in suits again and it's back to normal within a year. And I know they explain like, Oh, we were able to do this because mutants have super strength and speed. So we were able to speed up this process and everything. But like, how did it just go right back to normal? Like, how long did Apocalypse actually rule? Like, it's been it was for years, quite a while, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember like, seeing five or ten years or something like that in between all those books. It's been blank years since that. And so, in one year, they completely erased all of that impact, essentially, and went right back to how norm like humans normally are and how it was in two thousand five. That's just like right there. It was like that wouldn't happen you would have so many weird fucked up people and everything would look different still and i just think it wasn't very imaginative i guess yeah it definitely should have or been maybe eight. that's just maybe that's just the, the pro-mutant message that if mutants and humans actually work together things could get a lot better for everybody you never know i guess it definitely should have been a longer time yeah i i agree between. i agree like yeah when it's 10 years and you're like one year later and the white house is completely repaired and everything's all hunky-dory i agree but again, and there's probably like said, and like the background radiation and shit, like just from like yeah, it's like I how is it so it. prosperous? It's it's always okay. interesting to have a story 
have a time skip. I, I cite it many times already, but JoJo is a good example of this. When your time skip is essentially the length of a sneeze, it's what's what's the point, you know? And, and I mean, everybody moved forward a year. Apparently, Charles moved like four years though in the yeah, future. Yeah, people age weird. One thing I noticed is a lot of major players aren't in this book at all. Iceman's gone. Morph's gone. Sabretooth and Blink aren't there. Of course, out of context, Blink and Sabretooth are over in the Exiles book, but that book deals with time travel, so they could essentially just bring them back at the end of their stories whenever that would be. Just It's time travel. They could pop up wherever. So that was kind of weird. In favor of new OC characters, I guess, new OC Age of Apocalypse characters since we haven't saw them, the Silver Samurai and Psylocke. Yeah, Psylocke actually looked kind of cool. I think she wasn't that different. Yeah, it's also weird because this is, you know, the quote-unquote Japanese guy, so he's bringing in these Japanese-type characters, but they don't do anything, really. I mean, Psylocke is the deus ex machina at the end of the whole thing, but just no... <laughs> you know what? After this uh, Sobolski revelation, how perfect of a character is Psylocke? <laughs> exactly. She's like... Asian lady who's secretly a white lady in her head. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how did that happen? Because if... Xavier died before. I'm I'm th- I'm, I'm going super 4D nerd. I was going to I was actually going to bring that up too. That if how did she go through the siege perilous or whatever it is and shift from her British body to an Asian body? Yeah. like in regular six one six continuity. Yeah, I, that's gonna, just one of those oversights. I guess she's just more recognizable if it just looked like a British lady. I don't know. They they look the same with a mask, right? I mean, for the most part, the way uh, Bakalo draws people, they kind of all look a little slightly Asian, which is fine. But I, I think they he just actually, put them in there because he wanted to use Japanese type characters. There's one of the new X books currently. It's not that good. Like of the whole like House of X, Power of X, Power Ten, whatever uh, that shot off that deals with Psylocke and Betsy oh, got Angels. separated. Yeah, Fallen Angels. That's right. Uh, and Betsy got separated, so Psylocke's just Canaan again. And I feel like they did a much better job of that than this book did, like of explaining that stuff. I yeah, I haven't picked up that one. I have all the rest of them because I, I like that they put. Well, this is off topic, but I like that they put Betsy back as being British and. Basically, they made her Captain Britain in Excalibur, and it's really good. Yes, makes me wonder if they'll I mean, keep her again, that way. I mean, it, again, looking at it, 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 it's funny. Have you read House of House of X and Powers of X, Dave? I have not. I've I've seen excerpts and blips and explanations of them, but I mean, it's been a long time since I could say that. Yeah, I thought that when Bendis was writing, it was good or whatever, but it really wasn't. To be honest, but it's been a long like for they finally. I mean, they kind of really went off the rails with the X Men stuff a little bit, sort of. I, I like all the books that are putting out. Honestly, I, wow. I think they're all great. Jonathan and, with uh, a ringing endorsement for Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> he, the, 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 the fact, I mean, they must have. I'm, I'm guessing they had this stuff in the works for a long time, and that once yeah. once Marvel got the rights back to the X Men movies, they're just like. And I'm I, and it sucks that they waited this long, but I'm glad they did because it's just it's all good and it's just it puts a lot of old X Men stuff to shame. What they're doing right now, in my opinion, it's yeah. just it's just good. I mean, Hickman's one of the best writers slash architects out there, so I mean, I'm not surprised. Personally, I feel like a dumb guy when I read his stuff, but reread his Avengers stuff about a year ago, and I was confused for the most part, but everyone loved it, so I don't know. Um, uh. New Avengers. No, it's, it's also so it's good. a lot. It's, it's more. It just deals a lot more with 
mutant rights and it's uh, i mean it's to be honest looking at the current timeline i mean it's all about racism like most of, not a lot of it well, but that's I what mean, the theme of x-men mutant. is <laughs> yeah and it's funny because it takes a stronger stance on it and puts the mutants against everybody else trying to coexist and from his friend get, charles xavier yeah yeah magneto's I mean, friend charles xavier tells him a dream about how mutants can coexist and he'll remind you in the age of apocalypse. Yeah. So yeah, Magneto is a strike force leader, as, as we mentioned before. And he lives with the guilt of knowing that he wasn't the actual savior of the human and mutant races. I don't know why he lives with this guilt. This is one of those things where it seems like I could probably coast with this for the rest of my life knowing, oh, well, only one person besides myself does, knows the truth and I can live with that. There's a side plot, too, where this mysterious woman with claws who we find out is X-23, of course, because at this time also there was a bunch of new X-Men uh, characters from the Morrison run. And uh, I guess Claremont was writing on Candy X-Men at the time again, which was, yeah, X-23, Zorn, Beak. But one and a half of those characters only actually matter. Wolverine's open up in Canada, so Magneto sends his daughter, X-23, who we don't know is his daughter at the time, but come on, it's pretty obvious, to bring him back so he can find Sinister, even though Magneto knows... What is it? He knows where Magneto... He, he knows where Sinister is, but he doesn't know where Sinister is. Like, he's just supposed to leave him alone, or else Mr. Sinister will tell the world that Magneto knows that he's not the actual savior of the human race or something to that effect. And everyone's going to boo Magneto because he hadn't saved the world. Someone else did. Am I correct yeah. with this? <laughs> it's so Basically. stupid. Yeah, he doesn't know exactly where Sinister is. It's just that he knows that he's out there. And he's like, I think he's... His one major crime that he's committing is that he's kind of committing... He's giving the United States government false information about the whereabouts. Like, he's like delaying information about where Sinister could or couldn't be. Just like, like to, me, to be honest. That's, he's committing a lie just like C.B. Soblowski is pretending to be Akira Yoshida. Basically, yeah. Wow, this is a meta, but yeah, he, this is a he meta wants story. To fix his, but you're right. Like, Magneto being all... Like, why he couldn't just be like... I'm not sure what's fixed it. I don't know. I don't know why he, yeah, why he's got that much guilt. Because like even even after it's revealed that he figures out that Jean's does it, well, Jean Grey's alive. Yes, fix, surprise. Yeah, sorry about so she, big surprise. She's sorry. the one that well, stopped spoiler, the bombs. Big spoiler. Sorry about that. But even though he figures out, he knows that she's the one that does it, and then Sinister basically takes her and all this other stuff. But it's like like you said, why just keep the lie going? The only crime yeah. he really committed was that he was lying to the government about the whereabouts of Sinister. And even then... That, and he gave himself a cushy job. That's it. Did he give it to him, or did the, 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 the president basically come up to him and say, hey... First off, he also, you know, killed Apocalypse. Yeah. He's he, the one that led the, led the mutants, against the X-Men against Apocalypse, and literally was the tip of the spear that took down the greatest tyrant the world has ever seen. He did that, and he came and pat himself on the back. Like, he should get the mutant affairs job just for that work he did, and yeah. honestly. So uh, here's here's one of the weird things about this, is that when I was reading it, you know, obviously Magneto always has these, he always has his Holocaust origin or whatever, so he has zero tolerance for Nazis. Cool. This Let's translate that into Age of Apocalypse speak. So Magneto is now essentially head of, you know, the Mossad, finding the former Nazis, the former Apocalypse guys. And so the fact that he's not going after Sinister or whatever is kind of fucked up. But if you have this 
thing and Sinister's like, by the way, you know, who oh, looks like you stopped those and I know the truth and leave me alone and I'll let it go. He should have just been, turned around and been like, hey, sorry, it wasn't me, but here's Sinister. He tried to blackmail me. Let's go get him. Show a good faith. Like, like, why? Why yeah. would you let him go if that if this is your driving motivation? Well, also remember, Sinister had that weird bomb on his chest. So if Magneto activated his powers while they were talking, he would have blown up and killed everyone around him. So that's why he, he didn't do anything about Sinister. Which is well, yeah, at that moment in time, sure. But yeah. like as soon as he left, be like, gather around, everyone. I just had an interesting meeting. Like, yeah, it is. It is such a non-issue. At the, at the end of the day, it's stolen valor. And who, yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, even the weird stolen valor guys you see on YouTube, only like a handful of people care. If someone came up and said, yeah, I was in the Marines, I did a bunch of war crimes and yada, 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 I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's expected. And then you find out, no, he just took that shirt and is pretending. I'll be like, yeah, okay, I, I'm going to go eat a hamburger, I guess. Moving on. Yeah, that's it's, – it's so – this story <sighs> – there is a side plot here where Paige Guthrie from Gen X is actually alive, and she's been masquerading as Zorn the whole time, which is also a weird – I don't know if this was an accidental commentary where everyone that pretends to be Zorn ends up being someone else in any type of X-Men timeline because Zorn was originally Magneto uh, in the regular continuity books as well. Uh, Spoilers, I guess, for that. But he was also not Magneto. I don't know. Yeah, that was... That's I kind of hated that they just like used that character for her to hide behind. Yeah, it was horrible reveal. It was an interesting like the Guthrie subplot was interesting and probably the only part I actually liked in this book because they split up the X-Men. Sinister gets the Guthrie family to split up the X-Men, so while they're off trying to beat up Cannonball and their family somewhere else, uh Paige, who is like I said, playing as Zorn is back at the X mansion, essentially alone with Rogue and her kid. So she knocks out Rogue and she's going to take Charles hostage. But the X Men get back in time and she explains that she never died and she was just captured and then her family saved her. And then, you know, she's just getting revenge for leaving her there, which is an understandable villain trait. It's been done before, but the bar is very low for this book. And then they just die. All of them, all of them die. That was my favorite part, honestly, when yeah. Sunfire and Magneto come back and Magneto, they just them all. Yeah, when Magneto crushes Cannonball inside like a ball of steel and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller, that was probably the badass. best part. Yeah, the best part of the book. And then they just kill Paige for no reason after they said they're going to save her life or they're going to let her rot in a cell or whatever because she hates that. And then X-23 is like, no, let's just stab her in the back instead. And it's just... All right, whatever. Well, she was about to, like, I think, like, you look on it, she was about to do something. They were going to let her go, and they, she was about to, like, try and stab somebody with her powers, but, I mean, she's surrounded by all the X-Men. She can, I like her powers, but it's not like she could have done anything, but that's why. Yeah. But this is also the time where X-23 is huge. So, you know, we have to, back in 2005, we have to make sure that she's super popular and cool. So she has to do something. But, yeah, after the Guthrie's attack uh fails that's when magneto reveals all this bullshit oh yeah wolverine also came back to the fold as well like surprise her daughter convinced them to come back and join the x-men but yeah he he smells that they're in new york 
they have New York blood, so they go to New York and they find his lab there. And that's where he reveals all this. The uh, Magneto reveals all the stuff. And Sinister has been looking for mutant alpha the entire time. This was his major plan. And it's been pa- the mutant alpha gene has been passed down through generations and generations. And surprise, it's Jean Grey with the Phoenix Force. She's mutant alpha, but she works for Sinister and she's evil. Oh, no, it's the Dark Phoenix all over again. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm so fucking sick of the Dark Phoenix story it's the same thing over and over again the only interesting thing since the dark phoenix saga originally was when it split up into the phoenix five for x-men versus avengers but even that kind of fell flat i agree the original phoenix saga is a goddamn masterpiece it's hard to see that as a modern fan who wasn't around when it was happening because so much groundbreaking shit happened for the x-men in that saga that is just now run-of-the-mill x-men it's ingrained into their dna so it just kind of seems like old hat every time they bring it back Um, right but the original dark phoenix is fucking amazing it's like the first time with the shiar and it's like when cyclops and gene gray finally actually get together and just all this great stuff of x-men and you keep trying to put that lightning back in that bottle and it's just it falls flat especially don't even get me started on the movies I didn't even see the the newest no. one. I was not interested because I could predict everything that was going to happen. And when I looked at the spoilers, I was right. So, well, in the Somehow, comics, X Men Apocalypse was X Men Apocalypse was better than the, the last one, and that's saying something. Wow. Yes, like in, in the comic, like Jean Grey as the Phoenix is eating planets. In the movie, she lifts up a train. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wow! Wow! The the final issue of this is just. You, the, she's the phoenix and oh yeah sinister also has a couple mutants working for him now which he dubs the sinister six which groan and one of them sauron <laughs> who was a nice guy sauron and siren from x-man that, uh, if yeah. you remember i told you that they watch out for them because they came back yeah and they're just like why are these nice people being evil now and i guess maybe sinister is brainwashing them or whatever but they they get murdered for no reason still no Iceman. still no morph Wolverine, and then the predictable thing happens. Wolverine says, oh, I love you. Look at me. Look in the eyes. The, the hypnotism bullshit. And then Psylocke does the psi knife into her brain and everything's fine. They kill Sinister and Xavier, not Xavier, Magneto wants to go to trial for his crimes of lying, I guess. So, and then Gene's going to lead the X-Men and that's it. Did I miss anything? Um, oh, the just the most sloppily heavy-handed reveal of X-23 Oh my gosh, turns out I'm not a clone. I actually am your daughter. Who's your mom? Mariko. Oh, the end. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about Japan some more. So there's more of that Yoshida flair. Like, it seemed like they said they wanted Japanese-inspired stuff from this Yoshida guy, but it was just ham-fisting Japan into things. Like, there was no manga influence whatsoever. He just used Japanese characters, which is fine. But don't say you're going to bring the culture in if it's just, hey, remember the X-Men are in like involved with these Japanese characters. Oh yeah. Sunfire's here too, but we're not going to use them too much. Well, yeah. Cause the thing is that you can't really, unless you, unless you created a completely new villain that's heavily influenced by Japanese culture or whatever, you, you can't introduce all that to an X-Men story. You know what I mean? Like it, they're already set. And other than just adding ham fisting, like you said, new or reusing what, you know, silver samurais there, horribly redone design his sword's um, cool i like his big energy sword. Uh, that, 
No, I, he's better off with the shorter katana. He freaking stole magic. Well, it was before then, but magic's giant sword. But, I mean, yeah, they just ham-fist in. Like, I like that they kind of, the, you know, the fact that Apocalypse destroyed Japan, and they're like, they said, oh, New Japan down there in the south. So I like that they reestablished their country. But what's, you know, you can't jam Asian culture into a book like this other than the way they did it. And it doesn't even, the way they did it is just to say that you're, Trying to get more Asian culture into it is one thing, but it just doesn't work, I guess is what I'm saying. Anything else we want to talk about with this book? Like, was there anything we really missed? How many times did we actually see Apocalypse in this book? Uh, zero. Once in once. a memory. Uh, once in oh, a, right, yeah, right, once right, in right, a memory. right, yeah. Or, like, not even, like, a memory. It was, like, a a fear of what could be, and it was, like, him, which looked like he was holding, like, the Phoenix Force in his hand, which... That would have been cool if Apocalypse came back as the Phoenix. Yeah, that, and that would have been that would have been a better story and actually something yeah. interesting with the Phoenix, where it's not a good person being corrupted; it's an evil person being more corrupted. And Jonathan, or Slade's but, good. Well, I just have three things. One, I think the art is horrible in this. Um, yeah, Baklo's all over the place. Well, what do you think he had somebody helping him with it or something? Yeah, I think there was some help with those because it changes. He's one of my favorite artists, but I also agree it just seemed very muddy. He has it, it suffered from Jay Lee syndrome, where everything's just really dark and confusing. It's good art, but you just can't understand what the fuck is going on in some of the scenes. Well, it's like the last scene where Gene's talking to Magneto in prison. It's like typical his art, where the characters have just. The face, it just looks like his art. It's like kind of roundish, is I'll say, is what it, he's got a trait to it. Mm-hmm. And then in other places, it's his art where it's all muddy. The lines are like just like kind of like scribbled, and it just it. I don't know. I, I don't. He like I said, there's he's. I buy his books, but it's sometimes they're on, and sometimes it's just like, what is he doing? Okay, that and the reason just, the reason for that. I, I'm looking at the book now. He has eight different inkers. You can tell his usual inker. Uh, that was helping him was Tim Townsend. But then you also have like Mark Irwin, Jay Leaston, Jamie Mendoza, Victor Olazaba, Aaron Saud, Alve, and Sanda Flora. So, Holy shit. Yeah. This Also, remember, I, I just remembered this book was bi-weekly. It was a six-issue mini that was bi-weekly. So that could also be why the uh, art, art seemed that way because they were rushing to get it out. And that many inkers could – you could definitely tell from some of the books where the inking is definitely different. So – but yeah, it's the key definition. It's the key definition of too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. The random image in the very end where uh, Charles has a Spider-Man costume on, and I'm like, that shouldn't exist. Yeah, maybe another Spider-Man happened in the meantime. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I do like the way that Magneto has his heart on for Sinister the whole time, and he's thinking, he says he confronts Sinister and he's saying, oh, you're going to be another apocalypse. And Sinister just laughs in his face. And he's like, no, I just want to do more experiments. You're an idiot. Like, yeah, it's like a pre alone. I just want to do more experiments. Like, what do you, what, I understand you want whatever, but I'm like, I'm not trying to take over the world. I'm not trying to do this. I'm just trying to freaking have mutants grow like 15 arms and stuff, you know? And he just laughs at them. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, it's the precursor to, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to make dinosaurs panel that you see all the time. Anything else? And the other thing I had was that, yeah, like, to be honest, this version of Wolverine, I realize now, first off, I hate the way that they, his, like, left hand, the 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 cup he's wearing is, like, 
this giant metal gauntlet. Yeah, as opposed to the way it was before in Weapon X, and it was like just a clean cut, like whatever. But he should have grown his hand back by now. Maybe like his bones wouldn't be adamantium, but he should have grown his hand back because like we've seen in other other X Men stories where Wolverine like he came back from a nuclear bomb, you know, once. grows major. Yeah, I mean, he can grow back a lot of things. And, yeah, like I said, his hand got blasted off. If he didn't pick it up to just reattach it like he should have did, he would have been able to grow his hand back. It's just that his that hand would have been, the, the bones in his hand wouldn't have been adamantium. It's just a cool look. I think and that's really what make, it is. It's just, they want to... I know that's why they kept it that way. But. Yeah. Or maybe he just wants to be a cool guy like uh, Oron from Final Fantasy X. If you remember that game where he would just use one arm and would always have the never use his uh, left arm or something like that. He would only use his right arm at all times. Maybe well, he's he did, a cool they, guy. They did, they did that stupid thing where, of course, he pops the claws out of his uh, left arm for a second. Looks like he's going to stab Magneto and kill him. But it's like, oh, no, I just did it for show. And I pulled him right back in right as I punched him because I know yeah. I didn't want to kill him. And that was just stupid. Oh, yeah, Nightcrawler's really weird in this book, too. We already explained how fucking goofy he was over in Excalibur, but he kind of gets written between I'm regular Nightcrawler and I'm stabby Nightcrawler. Like, he really likes murder and stabbing people. When they In the Guthrie fight, he kept teleporting and cutting up uh, the giant Guthrie, the giant woman Guthrie, which was cool. But then he also had some hard-on for Wolverine as well, saying he's a traitor, but they don't ever explain why. Or did I completely miss that? I think it had to do with... I think it's just had to do with whenever they left, whenever he and Gene left eighteen oh. months ago. Yeah, whenever they left the team originally, my, in Chronicles. That's the only thing I can figure out. I don't even think yeah, he was on the team. That's back the only then. thing I can figure out. I can't even remember if he was on the team back then. It's just I don't know. It's just yeah, he th- was. This, this okay. Well, that's really all there is to it. This I think this book was completely unnecessary. I'm gonna rate it a one. I'll give it a three. I like the idea that they came back to it, but it just it fell apart and it's it's just a bad story. Yeah, the only thing I can say is the art was cool. That's it. I'd say it's a three just because there's a lot of cool art and the Guthrie fight was really cool with, you know, as you mentioned, Nightcrawler and when Sunfire and Magneto came back, that was pretty neat. But yeah, God, this was just trash for the most part. I did not, I, I wanted this book to end. Like I was, I've read this thing three times now and Every time I was just not thrilled reading this and a book should never, ever do that. When we've, when I've given books really low scores before, uh, Lake of fire, Batman and Punisher, that one was bad, but it was car crash bad. Like, what the fuck is this? No, this is terrible, but I I have to keep reading it. But I mean, I think I still gave it a zero. This was just boring and I was falling asleep and my eyes were just going all over the place and with the muddy art, it didn't help at all. Here's here's my issue with it is just in kind of the series as a whole, I guess, is just that Age of Apocalypse, this big crossover event, huge X Men event, Earth shifting, different narrative, cool. Um, I think a lot of it has suffered from time. I imagine reading this stuff fresh in '95 would be, you know, pretty fucking cool. But obviously time has taken its toll and it is obviously not that good. So here we are 10 years later where we can revisit it and you're going to give us this piece of shit story that doesn't even have apocalypse in it. Yeah. It's just more of like a like it, it ended on a fine note with the nukes hitting and everyone dying and then everything going back to normal. That was a good way to end it. Why would you like just continue a march of shit afterwards? <laughs> like, 
I was trying to think, and you hit it, hit the nail on the head. Like, what would actually be a good sequel to this? And I think Apocalypse getting resurrected by the Phoenix Force would be good because you still have the hellscape now, and you have something that's even, like I said, instead of a good person being corrupt, or you said, or we agreed, I should say, a good person being corrupted, it's an evil person being even more corrupt. And how do you stop something like that when the world is already shit? Like, how do you keep See, going? I think, I think which would have been more interesting is that Apocalypse comes back with the Phoenix Force and he starts using it to rebuild the world in a good way. But everyone remembers how much of an asshole he was. And so it's this duality of like, well, he was a piece of shit then, but now he's back and doing a bunch of good stuff. Do we stop him? And it's like, yes, we stop him. Remember what he did? They're like, well, look what he's doing now. And that's like a moral dilemma that they have to deal with. See, I think you guys haven't read it, and I wasn't going to try and do that on this, but we gotta, we just got to end this run. But Uncanny X-Force puts a nice uh, exclamation point on the Age of Apocalypse stuff. Yeah, but then I read some of the fact that Wolverine gets corrupted by Celestials and becomes Weapon Omega. Oh, okay. Well, then just re- re- screwing this for everybody. Yeah, he does. So basically what happens is that because the Celestials are the ones that gave Apocalypse his powers and made him like he was already a powerful mutant back in Egypt, but then he got hooked up with the Celestials. And it basically establishes that Apocalypse is an agent of evolution by the Celestials. And then, yeah, that the X-Men, the ship lands... The X-Men investigate, and then Weapon X basically gets captured and possessed by the Apocalypse Force, if you want to call it that, and then basically he becomes the new Apocalypse. Yeah, it just, I don't know, and, it just, uh, it gets so far away and far removed from the core concept, it's just like, who who cares, you know? I don't know, maybe some people well, you do, I'm not, than this, this I'm not trying to offend you if you like it or anything like that, but, like, this book is also getting away from the core concept of Age of Apocalypse. It's just a follow-up on characters that we kind of sort of know, and it's just, eh, who cares, you know? See, I, I think it works. I think you're better off not going back to Apocalypse because you need to see what the impact, like, again. But then it just becomes another X-Men book with just different-looking characters, kind of like how the Ultimate Universe kind of fizzled out. The Ultimate Universe well, was... making yeah. a comeback. It is, but... The Ultimate Universe was neat and great and all that for the first few years, but then it just became a, it's just a little bit different now. Let's remix these characters slightly. I mean, I think Spider-Man was the only one that was kind of consistent, but... I disagree. I think, well, I mean, again, Jonathan Hickman, of course, his his Ultimates with making uh, Reed Richards the maker and how he pretty much like nuked DC and everything, like... Oh, I forgot about that. So many fucking good concepts that were just like, hey, this is actually like different and earth shattering and has repercussions and it's gone yeah i think that to be honest spider-man was honestly the not the worst book but the one that was most uh we changed things but really they didn't they just made younger like x-men started the trend of changing some characters around and making different characters whatever and then after ultimatum they Even really, like that. you said, Hickman really, Hickman really hit the started the ball rolling, and the X Men books after that too, as well, especially took off, and they really made some, they really did some cool changes, and that you know, sandbox got really big for them to play in, and they really did some cool stuff, and then it just fizzled off because people, again, like everything else, people can't accept change to characters, I think, and then they probably stop selling books, and then. It just had that, and, and it just fizzled out, unfortunately. But 
Yeah, but yeah. those ultimate like the ultimate run made Kitty Pride one of like my favorite characters. I didn't give a shit about her before the ultimate run, but her ultimate counterpart is fucking awesome. It made like the ultimate run made me care about characters I'd never really gave second thoughts to, like Storm. Fucking love Storm now. Kitty Pride. Um fucking uh Iceman, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. But, I could go on all fucking But I mean, day we can, this, aside but. from, I forgot about Hickman, but aside from that, like all the ultimate books, even if they were enjoyable to read, they were, they were just adjacent to the Marvel stuff, you know? Like they weren't too drastically different. I was saying Spider Man, but the more I think about it, Jonathan, you're right. It's just, yeah, Bendis is good at doing scripts and he was good at writing Spider Man stories, but it was just Spider Man only slightly different. So. Now, I. Fantastic Four is really another read- good one. Fantastic Four. Well, Ultimate Fantastic Four, awful. The Ultimate Team Up books, do you remember those? Yeah. yeah. They were just slightly remixed versions of the characters, and there was nothing really too totally different. I mean, most of that stuff got retconned, but it just... Well, some of it... See, the thing is that you never really... Again, you didn't read any of the Ultimate X-Men stuff, though, right, Dave? No, I read up until uh, Ultimatum. It just like, oh, no, it's Onslaught. It's Xavier. Onslaught's Xavier. Like, it's well, that's just, because freaking Jackalope Kirkman was writing it then, and he can't write an original uh, story to save his life. I don't know. I think but, The Walking uh, Dead did pretty well for him. <laughs> yeah, that's the only Invincible. thing that he did. But Marvel Team Up's pretty good. Whatever. Invincible. Invincible's great. Yeah, <laughs> crap. But that's but, that's what I mean. We're getting too in the weeds here. That's what I'm saying. The problem with the Age of Apocalypse book is it's just it gets away from the core concept and just becomes a different setup of the rigmarole of an X-Men title. It's just remixed versions. And I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. I just, I don't care. You know, I like that. They readdress. I like that. They kind of went and you, you see. So the first thing they made, the big mistake they probably made was that they did that one shot. And that I mentioned at the top of the show. Yeah. That honestly, the first two panels of this book should have just been, Magneto seeing that the nukes get stopped and whatever. And then you wait until, what is it, the fourth issue when he tells everybody that Sinister visits him and said whatever. You know, that's the way it should have been because then you could have seen right away what happened or whatever. And I, I like that they, you know, obviously the nukes got stopped. Um, I agree with Chris that it's too... It, everything got fixed way too fast for, you know, it, there definitely should still be more damage or whatever, or it should be a longer period of time, or they could have addressed more that, you know, they just say that, oh, Magneto and his mutants helped redo everything, which, like I said, okay, technically, they if you actually had mutants helping out to the best of their abilities, they could fix a lot of problems for planet Earth, and people don't want them to, but... I'm fine with the fact that they didn't bring Apocalypse back and they basically made it, you know, Sinister was the bad guy. It's just that they didn't do it. It's just, it's not written well enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah. So, with that said, as we did with the Nightfall Saga, I have written up all our averages and uh, our most loved and most hated and, you know, the final stats, so to speak. So, out of all the books that we've read, my average total was a four, which, I don't know, my attitude to these books, that seems about right. 
oddly enough, with different scores, John and Chris, you guys came out with the same average at 5.4. And right. you guys you guys were also kind of dejected, but you also kind of agreed that this didn't hold up too well. Giving the total altogether is a 4.9. Pretty average, a little slightly below average, but nothing great. Could have been better. Would you guys feel in hindsight that that sounds right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's like it was a good idea. It just doesn't it doesn't age well. The product of uh, the '90s writing era. So my most loved book was Generation Next. No surprise there. I've been tooting it throughout this entire series, which I gave a nine. And the worst book, or the most hated book out of this entire series, was the X Universe mini where i gave it a zero jonathan you also have the same exact uh feelings that i did gen next was also a nine for you and x universe was a one for you chris however spread the love around quite a bit by giving x-men omega astonishing x-men x-man gen x and alpha slash chronicles since we did that together all a seven and then you gave Factor X and this book here, Chris, a three is your lowest scores. So mm-hmm. you were a lot. Yeah, more I like to see the positive in things. <laughs> so do I. I mean, I don't like to shit on things too much, but I mean, that's kind of the point of this show. I didn't do MVPs and WVPs because quite honestly, there was way too fucking many. I think most for the most part, they were either agreed on for each book or it was just a different character every time. I think the only one I was consistent with was the idea of the Madri but everyone else was a one and done. I think we hated Gambit in Weapon X the most, which I don't know if that sounds right. It sounds right. Yeah, especially since the, yeah. the Gambit recording has been lost to the sands of time to a bad mixer. Any final thoughts, feelings on this? Do you still recommend people read this entire saga? I'd say you read if you... I mean, it's. I still think it's worth reading just for... The time capsule? Yeah, you know, again, it's it's a point in comics history and X-Men history that was experimental and, you know, had never been done before. I, you know, I, I, I would recommend it for especially new readers and to, to at least look at it and see where things went from here. I mean, again, it's an X-Men book and all they do is events in X-Men books half the time. So it's not worth reading all the stuff. I'd skip a couple of things if you wanted to, but you can read them all. But they're not all going to hold up as well as other ones or... You know, and again, it's a product of 90s writing. A lot of it doesn't hold up, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, pretty much same thing that Jonathan said. Um, it's it's just a victim of time and the passage of time, I feel. Uh, awesome idea, just not so hot of an execution, at least by today's standards. I would personally actually really love to see this story completely redone and just in Elseworlds. Don't put it in with the main canon Marvel shit, whatever. Just make it its own Elseworlds limited run and just redo everything. You know, Apocalypse has taken over the Earth. Xavier was assassinated. Redo. Just redo the entire thing and actually make it legible and have a concise timeline with it and flesh out the characters a little bit differently. I think that yeah. could be because this is a lot of fucking awesome ideas. It's just a shit execution. Yeah, this originally was erased from the timeline. It wasn't an alternate universe, but they kind of shoehorned that back in when they started messing with alternate universes and uh, the new Exiles books and stuff like that. They decided to bring it back. 
temper your expectations, I would say, if you want to read this. You might like it more than us, but it is not the be-all, end-all of books or crossover events or anything like that. It may have been one of the first mega ones that uh, did something as drastic as this, but that doesn't mean it was good or great, I should say. All right. So with that, I want to get on to at least one email. And if you have an email, you can send those into therunpod at gmail.com. Therunpod at gmail.com. And it'll sound a little bit like this. Uh-oh, Jeff Loeb just took over the book you're reading. What happens? And it was signed <laughs> by Steve. So I guess whatever book you're reading right now, I mean, obviously we're reading a bunch of stuff. I'm rereading JLI right now, Justice League International. I mean, we, we say his books turn into murder mysteries and i think that's what would happen i think uh batman would be murdered and booster gold (laughs) booster gold and blue beetle are the only ones at the scene so they have to figure it out with you know help from guy gardner and martian manhunter and black canary and all over they go all their international team so they that they go all over the world trying to figure out who this murderer is and along the way there's multiple red herrings and then we find out at the end that Mr. Miracle was actually behind it all. And Batman isn't actually dead. Batman's been kidnapped because Mr. Miracle is like an escape artist. So he can do some carny shit to make it look that way. And Mr. Miracle has become the bad guy. And since he's a new God, he has made more powers for himself because, you know, he's a new God and he can do that apparently in Jeff Loeb's world and the JLI defeat him and Batman is saved. And then, uh, I don't know. They do some fan service where Batman punches Guy Gardner in the nose again or something like that, and everyone laughs at him. So, <laughs> Murder mystery around the world. Maybe the universe. If Tim Sale draws, I would read that book. Yes. If yes. Tim Sale drew yes. it, I would read that. That sounds like a good story. Got Booster Gold and uh, Blue Beetle trying to solve Batman's murder. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I honestly say if, if Jeff Love takes over a book, just give it a chance because it's not – you don't – Things change all the time, and uh, you never know what what you're going to pull out of your what writers are going to pull out of their ass. You know, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. It's worth it's are you, worth waiting for a change. Are you reading it's that Snake Eyes book right now? Hang on for a change. Oh, that's crap, <laughs> dude. Uh, he's made Liefeld is doing the Snake Eyes he, book right Jeff now. Jeff Loeb, if, if 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 Jeff Loeb wrote it, it would be a lot better. So you want to read his Liefeld writing Snake Eyes book? So you want to read Avengers and Captain America yeah, by Loeb? Or... Well, they did it together. Liefeld and Loeb did the Heroes Reborn stuff. I I never <laughs> read it. I'd read that, but no, Liefeld is horrible. I'm sorry, but Rob Liefeld is he the worst rules. artist. He's fu- the worst writer. No, he fucking rules. He brought that. We book have already from, gone over this. Yes, <laughs> I just want to say real quick. He has brought that book from three thousand sales apparently up to a hundred thousand. What the Snake Eyes book? Yes. Holy shit. That's fine. It's a crap book. It sucks. Maybe IDW will finally get some money back and they can write decent G.I. Joe stories then, but it's... I, I love Rob. It's crap. He rules. But he is, there, is there a book that you think that Jeff Loeb could do that you're reading right now that would be in his style? Or are we all just going to um, say Murder Mystery or Red Herring? Probably one of the Transformers book. Interesting. I'm not reading. I'm not actually reading too much right now. I've been skimming my skimming my stuff down. Well, dude, lot. I just said I was re- rereading Justice League from the '80s. So, <laughs> well, I'm not rereading anything right now because with the dog. But uh, he could probably like if he did a murder mystery. I think they could do it if he, if it was a good Jeff Loeb like 
long Halloween style, he could make write a good uh, Transformers mystery. I think that'd be good. Coming of age, Optimus Prime with his feelings. You could call sure, it. Sure, let's Op- do one where Megatron actually gets killed, and they have to figure that one out. You could do one of the color books where it's Optimus Prime brown because of oil. I don't know. <laughs> Chris? Let's see. Um, what I've been reading lately is just the uh, the new Star Wars run on Marvel Unlimited, the, uh, the second volume that takes place between uh, Empire and Jedi. So Jeff Loeb taking over that would be... I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's already sort of got a mystery vibe to it with uh, um, Anakin trying to figure out that he how Padme had kids and stuff like that. He's discovering that truth. So I'm also reading uh, some Simon Hanselman books. Um, who does like uh, Mog Megan Al, which is just like weird stoner comedy stuff. Yeah. So maybe like. Werewolf Jones gets murdered, and it's up to Megan Mog to find out who it was. And it turns out it was like robot the entire time. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah. Would the book last? Would sales go through the roof, or would it get tanked after a couple issues? Oh, it'd probably be tanked because it just wouldn't be the same. Jeff Loeb can't kind of write that stuff. It's way too vulgar. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that email. And, of course, from the popularity of last episode with the mailbag. So from our last episode where we had the uh, comic book resources read along, I found another article here. And it is from one Colin Tessier. He wrote this back in January 2nd of 2019. I tried to keep on theme. Age of Apocalypse, 12 things fans forget, and then in parentheses, and eight they wish they could. Word count. And Webster's Dictionary, try to keep those in mind as Webster's Dictionary states, the X-Men are mutants. The X-Men are some of the most famous characters in the history of Marvel, if not all, of comic books. The team has participated in many famous storylines, and they managed to find a way into many Marvel events also. But Charles Xavier's band of mutants can often seem separated from the rest of the Marvel Universe, which is why their events can be considered on their own. Of all the team's events, Age of Apocalypse is one of the most famous, and it remains a fan favorite. In 1995, Marvel launched this storyline, which placed the X-Men in a dystopian reality. When David Holler, a.k.a. Legion, accidentally takes out his father, he causes a domino effect that leads to the Apocalypse conquest of the world. Subsequently, heroes became villains, antagonists fought for the good guys, and every character was at risk of being victimized by Apocalypse or Mr. Sinister. The story featured time travel, romance, heartbreak, and while it strayed from some of the X-Men's usual themes, Marvel has returned to the alternate reality a few times, notably with their 10th anniversary edition, which we just read, and other visits in 2011, 12, and 15. Despite these sequels, plenty of details about the events have faded from memory. Not many fans remember the story of pacifist Juggernaut. On the other hand, some things are hard to forget, like the Blob's acquisition of super speed. For these reasons, CBR has decided to provide a list of the things, uh, the top things that fans forget about in Age of Apocalypse and top things they'd like to forget. Or top fan. CBR has decided to provide a list of top things fans forget about in Age of Apocalypse and the top things they forget. Forget. They want to, want to forget? They want to forget. Uh, that's just how it's written. Forget. Magneto leads the team. People forget this, apparently. Magneto's role as the lead... This is number 20. I'm going to try and read this fast. 
Magneto leads the team. Magneto, role as the leader of the X-Men, was one of the most notable changes in Age of Apocalypse made to the team. Yet, for some reason, people forget this. Uh, instead of Charles Xavier, his oldest rival. Magneto isn't as virtuous as Charles tries to be, so this team of the X-Men isn't limited to heroic members. Instead, it's welcome characters who were traditionally villains, too. Magneto wound up becoming one of the true heroes of the story because he seemingly took Apocalypse down. Jean Grey was the real savior. Still, the event gave Master of Magnetism a chance to temporarily save the day. Uh, number 19, things they wish they would forget. Magneto marries Rogue. Magneto is one of the most compelling characters in Age of Apocalypse, yet people forget that he... <sighs> I don't know if Why I can finish this fucking that? list. Well, just, just, the just give just us the, the All right, we'll just give this. say what it is, the list. Don't read the actual paragraph because <laughs> we remember that. I mean, the it's Magneto. Just, it's just a bad rogue, writing in general. Um, the Magneto Rogue romance is, you know, it's been there before. It was it was happening in Secret Wars and shit. Like, well, here, here's a blurb. Here's a blurb. After establishing a relationship with Rogue as her teacher, Mag of Magneto eventually becomes romantically involved with her. The two would get married, and they had a son who was named Charles Xavier. All in all, the romance seems regrettable, given that the two characters remain constantly at odds. I don't really remember them being at odds with each other. Yeah, exactly. That's, Things that people yeah. forget. All right. Spotlight on Legion. Yeah, not many people know about him prior to this, I guess. Not many people talk about him. We did the Legion Quest storyline, but people wish they forget. Evil Cyclops. He wasn't evil that long. It wasn't really oh, evil. He was evil. Why would people want to forget that? Yeah, it's also it's because he's one of the most noble characters in the team history. That's what they go into. So seeing this as a change is bad, even though the whole point of Age of Apocalypse was different characters. Yeah. Uh, fans forget that this was Blink's breakout. I guess that's eh, kind of, I guess, if you're wondering where Blink's came from, people might not know it was Age of Apocalypse. Um, yeah, I agree with that, if you're not paying attention. Uh, let's see here. Wish they forget. Logan and Gene Romance. Um, while okay. I think it was written really bad and gross and embarrassing, this is what people wanted in the book for a long time. Uh, Fourteen, as opposed to the freaking uh, trifecta that he, Scott, and Gene have going on right now in the X Men books. Yeah, it's it's always been a thing on and off. Um, forget, fans forget that this was an effective crossover. No, people talk about this. Anyone mentions a fucking crossover, the Age of Apocalypse is usually in that conversation. Think How is it really a? Is it really a crossover though? Uh, but, like, yeah, I, I mean, guess. It's, yeah, it's you it's had an event. the universe, but like, it's just another X Men event, really. Yeah. Um, Actually, I mean, it's not a crossover because the books don't cross over to each other, right? Too much. You, don't, you didn't have to read all of them. You right. just needed to kind of read the beginning and the end. But and there was the footnotes. Are, there was footnotes for things yeah. that needed. characters jump around a little bit, but it's not like you had to read. It's not like Astonishing you didn't have to buy Silver Surfer titles. Right. Well, but I mean, you didn't have to read, you know, it didn't jump from X to Astonishing X-Men to Externals to whatever. Each book was its own self-contained. Yeah. Separate story. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty poor. Okay. They're all self-contained characters spilled over, but you didn't have to read. You didn't. Right. Chris, Chris has a hard and read them all to know what was we going know. on. Chris has a hard out. So that's why I can't read this entirely long article. Um, for, wish they forget dark beast no dark beast was cool no. dark beast was awesome yeah 
But you know, it's it's, it's still just, around. It's just like the Cyclops thing where it's 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 unnerving. Um, things they Dark, wish. Dark Beast was like, hang on, Dark Beast was like the highlight of this because he was one of the characters that actually like kind of stuck around and he's continued to be a cool character. Why yeah. would you want to forget that? Yeah. Well, I think that comes into one of the numbers later as well. Uh, wish they forget Weapon Omega, which we talked about earlier, and uh, yeah, that seems pretty dumb. Um, people also forget that there was main Marvel Universe connections, uh, like we talked about X Universe, where there was a Tony Stark and a Sue Richards and stuff like that, and other and Gwen Stacy and Gwen Stacy. Yeah, uh, wish that they forget Fast Blob. I guess Blob was fast in one of the other books that we didn't get to read that was further in the uh uh oh wait no he was one of the sinister guys that's right he didn't get named was that he was the big guy yeah i don't know if that's he wasn't fast and i don't know if that's blob or if that's avalanche uh i'm pretty sure it was blob they don't because they they, say i mean take it for what the writer says it says in the 10th anniversary edition of the event blob received an upgrade so i don't know it kind of looked like blob to me uh, things that people forget Bishop's destiny, how he was the, uh, kind of sort of main character of the whole thing. I don't know. I don't think people really forget that. Um, people forget there was a powerful Iceman. I mean, they also forgot that Iceman existed. Like we said before, I don't know. Uh, Iceman seemed powerful, but it wasn't like he was a, a threat, you know, at least I didn't, re- uh, write him that way. Things that people wish they forgot. X-Man. Uh, this writer does yeah. not like X-Man whatsoever. I don't know why. Uh, he just came back recently, too. Uh, let's see. People forget that this was not a traditional X-Men story. No, that's the first thing people remember, that this wasn't a traditional X-Men story. That's the whole point of this fucking series. Uh, Wait, that, that was on what they forget part yeah, side of the list? Yeah, people forget that this was not a traditional X-Men story. Sure, okay. they deal with alternate realities all the time. Uh, wish they forget Sugar Man. I thought Sugar Man fucking ruled. Fuck this guy. What, what's so bad about Sugar Man that they would want to forget? A, a go ahead. Uh, f- forget heavily flawed heroes. No, that was another big point of this fucking series is that everyone was heavily flawed. <laughs> uh, wish they forget Gambit and the Externals. Uh, he, I, I kind of agree, but for the different reasons, uh, he said that this could that have happened. That was actually one of the best books. Well, I think we all rated it a five down the middle. It was just we wish it wasn't taking place in space. We wish it was a more centralized yeah. on Earth book and it wasn't cosmic. That was our only issue with it. But they, this guy just says it could have been said in the background of a couple panels. Uh, people forget Pacifist Juggernaut. That's number two on this list. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe he was kind of barely in Excalibur, but we remembered him pretty well. And we talked about the whole Cain and Abel thing. And that uh, people also forget, number one, the main thing that people forget in Age of Apocalypse is it included everyone. Every every mutant, it included everyone. Uh, I'll read these two paragraphs here real quick. Age of Apocalypse was a remarkably successful event, especially for one that came out in the 90s, as Webster's Dictionary presents, or tells us. One of the reasons for its fame was its ability to incorporate every X-Men character. Some of them made brief appearances while others received much more attention. Previously, minor characters like Blink and Sunfire held prominent roles in the event, while, of course, the classic X-Men were important, too. You could have put that at the beginning of this fucking article, and 
it would be the exact same thing. Like he essentially said this at the beginning of the article. Many crossovers tend to focus on a small group of characters. On the other hand, Age of Apocalypse manages to include a wide array of heroes and villains. While the style can backfire, it was carried out fairly well here. The end. I'm sorry I couldn't read that whole thing, but I mean, it was a lot of that bullshit. And like we said, Chris has a hard out in a few minutes here. Um, that was it. That was the run for Age of Apocalypse. I uh, hope you enjoyed this whole long ass roller coaster we've been on. I hope to bring these episodes out more frequently now that we got something tied down. Uh, I know I've said that a couple times in the past, but you know, COVID and all that. We're going to have a one shot episode just like before in between miniseries. Uh, Jonathan has a few ideas he's going to pick. We don't know yet what yet. So I guess that'll be a surprise whenever you download the episode. And then Chris has picked the next uh, run that we are going to look at. And Chris, if you'd be so kind to let us know what that is. So I wanted to do a run that I thought we might actually enjoy. (laughs) Um, I wanted to pick a writer whose adaptations are currently or whose books are being currently adapted. Um, and that is Garth Enos's uh, Hitman. All right. This is one of my favorite books. I, I read this from time to time. This is going to get all tens from me. Uh, yes. Garth Enos and John McRae's Hitman. Uh, the story of Tommy Monaghan fucking around in Gotham City trying to make ends meet as a hitman with x-ray vision so that'll be i have read this series once and that was when i was in ninth grade maybe oh nice and you haven't read that since yeah i haven't read it in almost 15 years or so so no, this, this should be, be a lot of fun I've especially with it. uh oh, it's gonna be great we got a uh a person myself who read it once we got dave the Big fan and Jonathan, the new guy. So it should be real interesting. Awesome. I can't wait. And that's going to do it. And guys, until next time. Until next time. Until next time. To be continued. <laughs>